Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And once again, we're talking to you live from our in-home studio because we still are not on the road at a campground near you. But it is the same as the portable studio, so it should (laughs) sound pretty much the same. Pretty much. Just a little bit of echo from the hard walls of our studio. Yes. So this is uh, July 2010, and we are here for an exciting episode. We have a lot of things to talk about today, including uh, the main topic, which is going to be our visit to the Spartan Rally. Spartan? What's that? I have no idea. Oh! <laughs> You're an RVer and you don't know a Spartan? Spartan? I know that sir, every so often strange men come up to me at, at campsites <laughs> while I'm like dumping the garbage or something and they say, do you have a Spartan chassis? And I think, what the hell are they talking about? And I know that I'm supposed to say yes. I do have a Spartan chassis. And because we have a Spartan chassis, we went to the Spartan Rally where we learned all about our engine and our chassis. And how, and, to, and how to clean out our checkbook. And how to clean out our checkbook. But before we get to that, we have uh, some kind of uh, interesting post-pre-topics. First of all, we want to thank Delbert for uh, alerting us to a firewood issue. And this is something that we have uh, run into also, that there can be severe penalties for bringing firewood to your campground if you live more than 50 miles away. Or if you've purchased it more than 50 miles well, away. whatever. And we were recently in Indiana State Parks, and they definitely have a restriction, as do all of the Michigan State Parks. And it's even coming into the private parks because of uh, some bugs that are in firewood, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they don't want to move no, I problems from one area to another. The firewood I have is from Texas. Now, how would I prove that I brought it in from Texas? If I was to go bring it into Indiana. They need a little Scantron code things on it so anyway, you know where you bought it. he mentions that we uh, could incur up to a $250 fine for bringing firewood into a campsite that is uh, contaminated. No, the firewood is contaminated. Well, and I think that's good. They're trying to well, keep Well, you're not supposed to move bugs from one location to another. And there are certainly heavy fines involved, although I've never heard of anybody getting fined. And usually campgrounds that are concerned about this have signs posted warning you about that and sell local firewood for your campfire convenience. So watch your firewood. Oof. That hurts. Well, we used to kind of pile it up and then lug it from place to place. And no, obviously, we still do have a nice container full of firewood. Because we have a huge basement, we can bring our firewood. It's not a socially acceptable idea. Uh, it's socially acceptable. And then the listeners have let me down. Why? What'd they do? Well, I asked them to find me a reason to buy the handheld radar detector. Oh, yeah. Last month. And nobody wrote anything? They didn't come up with very good ideas. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. There's, so I haven't bought it yet. So if you have any good ideas, I'm still waiting. My handheld radar detector that's very very nice and small that measures the speed of things. You can measure how fast I hit my golf ball? <laughs> Ooh, now that's... Oh, 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 I feel a reason coming out. <laughs> if only I could hit a golf ball. Ah, uh, yes. Well, anyway, so that's... I guess nobody decided that they could come up with a valid reason for me to buy it, so it will go unpurchased. For now. But, but, but 
there's still a chance if you'd like to write in and, and give me an idea. Uh, so if you'd like to write in, though, you can contact us at navigator at rvnavigator.com. And, of course, the website is rvnavigator.com. But we always like to hear from you, our listeners. And what's really surprising, because I, I purchased the package which gives me complete statistics about our website and, and how it's being used. This could be scary because it could be not being used. But we did find out lots of fabulous things about uh, about our website. The number oh, No, about our listeners. About our listeners, that's right. And we need more of you to be writing in here if you're going to listen. We find out that... Uh, We're going to find out about you one way. <laughs> Or the other. <laughs> That's right. You're either going to tell us, or, or we're going to track you down. We're going to track you down, and we find out that we have uh, the most of our listeners. No, not our most listeners, but the most hits on our website come from Redmond, Washington. Now, why is that? And then Sunnyvale, California, and then New York, New York Mount- City. Peoria, Illinois, oh. 512 people have hit from... Uh, from. So wasn't there some saying about... If Seoul, it, if the it, Republic of Korea, if it's in Canyon Peoria, Country, California, that's right. If you can play it in Peoria, you can play it anywhere or something like that. Uh, so every every city that is Tel Aviv, look at that, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Oh, this is just Lansing, Michigan. You know, every virtually every state is represented on this list um, and has downloaded uh, the RV Navigator web pages. Or maybe you're one of the almost 5,000 people who's downloaded, downloaded the podcast. And I think what's even more impressive is the fact that, that our number one episode, episode number one, got exactly 1,358 hits in the last three months. I Downloads. No, I have no idea what we talked about in episode one. Maybe we should listen to it. Maybe we should play it. Just put, we'll just put it up here again as a, for another month. <laughs> <laughs> but why people are still downloading episode number one? I have no idea. They just episode, discovered you. Episode number three had eleven hundred and sixty-five episodes. Never before I've been able, only able to look at the bulk number of episodes that have been downloaded every month, not uh, by the actual file. No, no, we need a listing about which. Can- Campground where they're staying at when they listen to. Ooh, do you think that? Could, <laughs> which Wi-Fi network they're on while they're while they're doing this? Anyway, it is very interesting to see where all of you are, and uh, and certainly our international visitors is, boggle our minds. Yes, because this doesn't seem like it'd be very interesting. We actually have had 776 hits in Brazil, in 562 in Sweden. Sweden in the last three months. Japan. 518. France, Republic of Korea, Israel, Russian Federation, the Virgin Islands, Netherlands, Ireland, Germany, Philippines, Netherlands, Antilles, Costa Rica, Switzerland, Austria, Mexico, Taiwan, Romania, and it goes, the list goes on. And especially the people who don't speak English and whose countries we would imagine don't have a lot of camping. Um, This is just fascinating why people are listening from those places. So please send us an email and tell us what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) They're <laughs> getting uh, deep insight into the American psyche. I guess so. Well, anyway, it's it's heartening that you're listening and downloading, and thank you for for sticking with us all these months. And our downloads are growing, so we assume that our listeners are growing. But who knows? All right. So we want to also mention that uh, the RV Dash Mobile Tech 
Um, blog that I now keep is uh, up and running and will keep you posted on a more frequent basis about what's going on in the RV tech world. So take a look over there and see if there's uh, anything that you are finding interesting. My latest article is about VoIP. Voice over IP. Oh my God. Oh my God. She actually knows. that. Was, ladies and gentlemen, that was unprompted. That was totally unprompted. <laughs> you hang around long enough, you're bound to learn <laughs> oh something. Oh my God. She actually knows what it stands for. <sighs> And it's what is it? Because I have it in my house. <laughs> I know, but you never know. Oh my! What is it? Well, it's telephone over the internet. Yeah, we have talked about that a little bit, but uh, there's been some updates, and we are changing some VoIP stuff. So, head on over to rv-mobiletech.com, and you'll see the article that I wrote, and you can make some comments. And my wife was nice enough to send me a very interesting article. We've been to Japan, and we liked it very much. Um, Jap. Japan is a very well-organized, neat, safe country and is very weird. And when I'm going to be on a plane for 12 hours to fly somewhere, I want to go somewhere very weird that's safe and clean. And and I remember when we were there, we said to each other constantly, what are they thinking? You know, they they say that, that they're inscrutable, and that certainly is a good word. So when I got this website showing the latest trend in Japanese Female attire. My job. You you have to see this. We cannot. We cannot describe it to you. Right. But this is. It would probably be banned by the FCC. Dresses that appear to be transparent but are actually drawn on. Skirts. Skirts. Yeah. Well, dresses the whole time. No, it was the bottoms. Okay. Anyway, you gotta go. You gotta go see this anyway. So we'll see if this catches on in the United (laughs) States. I hope not. Next month, we'll see how many people have uh, linked to that. Oh, that's right. I can check all that too now. Okay. This is gonna be exciting. How about? 31 strangest places to RV places to sleep. Well, actually, these aren't all RV places, well, but of many are. of them are. How about in an amphibious RV? This number one inside the amphibious RV. You've probably seen this on the on the RV shows where uh, they drive the RV into the lake, water, and it actually is, is a boat. yacht as well. That's they, they yeah. think that's a strange. So thing. we're looking at a website here that has these 31 we'll the places with little pictures illustrating yeah. them all. We'll put the links to this, up which on is the also website. quite amusing. Number two is a with 20 people in an RV where they have bunk beds, and uh, foreign travelers come to the United States to visit the national parks. And they camp out in a customized rig that sleeps 20. Inside the craziest camper, which is on a bicycle. That must be in China. Anyway, there's a bunch of them here. Inside the trailer park at the Taj Mahal. At the trailer park Taj Mahal. Oh, at the trailer park Taj Mahal. It's not in India. At the Flintstone campground, you can sleep in a teepee. And then the Slab City. We've heard about this, which we haven't gone to yet. listed by our friends at the Gypsy Journal as one of the 10 best RVing places in the United States. Whether it is or not, I don't know, but it's an interesting place to sleep. And then, of course, sleeping in the buff at the Pines... RV nudist park. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, the picture is. Uh, well, People look like they're having a good time. It does. <laughs> Next to the Yogi Bear in Jellystone National Park. Park. Na- National Park, yeah. No, at Jellystone Park, park. okay. In a Walmart, Walmart parking lot. Parking. We, many was, of us have done indeed, that. Indeed. Where and Lord of the Rings was filmed. We've, been, we've slept there. We've actually slept in that. In camp, New Zealand. In yeah. New Zealand, yes. Siberia. And so on. And so look on. at the website. 
And how about at turn four at the Daytona 500? Oh, you'd need earplugs there. Indeed. On the edge of the Grand Canyon. Oh, oh the RV is hanging into the canyon there. Whew. Whew. Oh, well, so you might want to take a look at some 31 places where you probably really wouldn't want to sleep. <laughs> the Walmart camp. The Walmart. Uh, mm, it's very affordable. We're glad to say that RV shipments are going up and so that the RV industry is coming back, although I'm not too sure about Class A's, but uh, it says they're up 194% over last year. But, of course, last year was a bad year. But the uh, the wholesale shipments to dealers were, were dramatically improved in the last few months, so we're glad to see that RVing is on its way back in Wisconsin. Nudist campground hopes to set skinny dipping record. Hickston, Wisconsin. So if you are a nudist and you want to go camping, and you can help set the skinny dipping record. And that's on July 10th at 2 p.m. Oh, there's still the time Aurora to Garden. sign up. I know, there's still time, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to the RV Navigator in the month that it was created. Okay. Uh, oh, yes, uh, we've lamented the fact that... Uh, that the RV TV shows have kind of gone away. Um, really, most of the RV shows we used to watch yeah. are gone. But now, RV TV is going to return to the airwaves. A popular TV show about the RVing lifestyle re- will return July 3rd to the R&R channel. Uh, it used to air on the Outdoor channel, and I had a hard time getting it, but now it's moved to the... I don't even have any idea what the R&R channel Rest is. Rest and Recreation? I don't know. I don't channel. know. That's what it says to me. And it, but it is available on, on, Direct, on TV. Direct TV at channel 354. I have my DVR set and ready to go, so I will be taping it because it starts uh, here at the beginning of July. 2.30 on Saturdays and Sundays in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time, and it'll be on every Saturday and Sunday and Monday. So we'll put a link to that on our website so that you can find where to watch and listen to the RVTV, companion to your RV navigators. Ten reasons why you should take your motorhome on vacation. Why you should take a motorhome vacation. Ten reasons why you should take a motorhome vacation. Exactly what I said. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) She's always here fixing me up. And why would you why would you consider it to be the most important of these ten? Um, convenience. Yes. Flexibility. Um, Don't have to pack all the time. Bringing everything I have in my house along with me. Mm-hmm. Choices. How about yeah. The, how about the great outdoors? Sometimes. Yeah, you know. um, I, in all honesty, I think we had more outdoorsy experiences in a tent. Yeah, yeah, but that's camping. Yes. Oh, that's not an RV, though. You're right. Right. Freedom. Yeah, we certainly yeah, like that. Go where you want, just when you want. Around. Don't have to worry about reservations as a rule. Versatility. And, RVs and are extremely versatile and can be used for camping, traveling to outdoor functions and shows and cycling holidays. And this article mentions price, which we certainly talked about before. Um, we have family members that are contemplating retiring in the next year, and we've just been discussing with them um, how much traveling they plan to do, and they are saying they have reluctance to be on the road as much as we do because of the price of motels. So hopefully we can win them over. And we're glad to see that Pete Townsend of The Who is going to be... RVing in his motorhome in the not-too-distant future. So says the Whittier Daily Times, <laughs> Daily News. I try to pick out the latest news in the RV industry yeah, here. That's very noteworthy. Well, really, the article, according to the headline, is about boomers selling their houses and going full-time. Which we did talk about last week. Yeah, we've talked about that last before. Month. 
Yes. And we don't want to forget airplane. Oh, that video. <laughs> that is insane. Of, it, of an airplane landing on top of an RV. While it's We going. always like to include some kind of funny stuff in the show. So the RV is driving down the road and the plane is trying right. to land on it. Not tries, but does. And so you might want to take a look at that, too. And that's pretty funny. Amazing. Amazing, she says. Amazing and wonderful. Okay, something a little bit more serious. Um, we have a new product, which I am excited to have because it solves a problem which I, as well as many RVers, have had. But you haven't. Wait, wait, wait. We have had, right? You haven't used this product yet, though. No, but I bought it. Yes. It's sitting right here. Yes. Right here in my hand. But because we're not at a campground. Near us. You haven't used it yet. I see. Uh, it's called the Trickle Start. And one of the problems that I've had is, well, not only have I had our batteries go dead, but... New batteries, or newish batteries. Newish, well, they were batteries. And one of the problems I have is that while our RV sits for an extended period of time, the chassis batteries, the ones that start the engine, can discharge. Why? Nothing's on. Well, because there are parasitic loads. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. <laughs> it is, because the batteries go dead. If there's anything that uses a little bit of, even just a teeny-weeny bit of electricity, it will deplete the batteries. Uh, even little LEDs and uh, the radio, you know, it keeps track of the station. And I assume and that when we let it sit before, at Christmas time, the cold weather aggravates cold that, weather too. Cold weather aggravates it, too. And we specifically set up our solar system so that it would charge the batteries. However... The house batteries and the chassis batteries are not connected together. So you have to choose with your solar system which one you want it to charge, and obviously we wanted it to charge the house batteries. But it's important to start the engine. <laughs> but it's important to start the engine. And so uh, I have had no way of connecting the two because when we go down to Texas or you sit for a long period of time, like we did for six weeks, yeah, and, it could the, happen and, then too. and the house batteries are being continuously charged because you're plugged in, but the chassis batteries have no access to the charging system, so they could be easily discharged. So now... Enter the trickle start. The trickle start is a little box that you hook up to the positive terminals of both the chassis and the house batteries, and then you ground it. It will keep the chassis batteries charged when the house batteries are being charged. So when it senses a higher voltage, which indicates charging, and the house batteries, it will shunt some of that voltage over to the chassis batteries and keep them at full charge also. Now, this is a co device is very cool because it has no moving parts, it has no switches on it, and it does not require AC. It will charge the chassis batteries when the solar system is charging the house batteries, but it does not allow electricity to flow between the two sets of batteries. It keeps them still isolated. Sounds good. So if one goes dead, the other one still will be in good condition. Theoretically. Theoretically. So this does not require any plugs. Was it you, expensive? $50. And you install it once, and you hook it up, and you never have to worry about it again. And... If you install it correctly, when the voltage on the house batteries is higher than the batteries on the chassis batteries, it will equalize them and keep them at the same voltage, which is good. It's exactly what it should be doing. So I'm ex excited to have that. And if you have chassis and house batteries, and virtually everybody does who has a motorhome, 
class C, class B, whatever, that this will provide you with the same uh, connection capabilities. Now, it does not allow you to connect them to use them. It's just for keeping them charged. So next January, when we are ready to flee here for the winter, <laughs> and the RV will have been sitting for a little while, we'll let you know how well this really worked. All right. Uh, we have had a very good time in Chicago recently. And as you know, we live in the suburbs of Chicago, and we want to invite you to come and visit us. Not visit us, necessarily, but come and visit our city, Chicago, because... Well, there's so much to do here. so much to do. We love the lakefront and riding our bikes, and there are free concerts in Millennium Park, which is um, an amazing sight to see just in and of itself. The free concerts are like three, three, four times a week. Oh, yes, All sorts of different kinds of music, and free. And we have about 20 miles of parkland that's completely along the lakefront, so that... I can't think of another major American city that has 20 miles of park in prime property, real estate, real estate right along the lakefront with beautiful views of a magnificent city skyline. And every so often a beach. And where else can you go swimming on a sand beach in the middle of a city? And we have, and the museums are right in the middle of the city. So and we've also really enjoyed the theater life in Chicago. Um, it's a huge theater city, and we are patrons of, of a website called Hot Ticks, where you can often get half price tickets at kind of the last minute. So that makes it even more affordable. So we want to invite you to visit our city. Now, we should say that in in the past, um, camping in our area has has been problematic. (laughs) And um, the Windy City City Campground, which I think was the closest one to the city, has closed. And they found something more lucrative to do with the land. But we have read about and have not yet investigated ourselves that it's possible to camp uh, to boondock in the city at McCormick Place, which is our convention center for 20 And it's called the Truck Marshalling Yard, (laughs) which sounds strange, but we've uh, actually read reports of several RVers who have pulled in there and been welcomed um, because the touring buses uh, for the groups and entertainment and things like that all park there, and the drivers have to have someplace to stay. And And it's guarded, so you're safe there? Exactly. But it is boondocking. But that is uh, within a block of the of the waterfront of everywhere you want to be. Everywhere you want to be. <laughs> Whoa! When you can, when you find that you can camp in the middle of the downtown area, and for that price, we just were downtown doing a bike ride and a free concert, <laughs> and we paid twenty seven dollars to park our car. So. And that was just for the few hours in the evening. And so here you get to park twenty four hours a day, and especially if you have bikes, this has easy access. I expect to the bike trail. The bike trail which goes along the waterfront for over 20 miles. And there's also a, t- a taxi stand there. Yes, said. 20 miles up and down the lakefront. Um, it goes past all of the parks. There's a zoo that you can, that you can go lake to front. on the lakefront. There are several museums. The, just the natural beauty of the lakefront, the, all the boats and the water and... So come, come now. I mean, don't Chicago come in the winter. Chicago has great things to do in the summertime. Yeah, but don't come in the winter. Although the truck marshalling yard is open year-round, year round, 24 hours a day. And you can get there without having to go on any side streets because it is specifically designed for, large, for vehicles. large vehicles. There is no problem with you getting there. And you get uh, off the expressway and you're right 
right there. So it's uh, it's definitely a possibility, and that's something that, sh- that people should take advantage of if they can. Of course, we only living 35 miles from that is sometimes a little bit hard to justify, but... But I would like to check it out because sometimes you go to We will to have events. a full report from your RV navigators in the near future. You go to events that get off fairly late at night and then you, to drive back home again, it might be more convenient just to go to your motorhome. And well, and especially if parking's going to be 35 bucks or yeah. 30, 27 bucks, we may as well just park the RV there and <laughs> ride our bikes or something. Walk. Another activity that I've been involved with lately is putting on new LNBs onto my satellite dish. Which went very easily. Surprisingly enough, right. Being that I wanted high definition, high definition is not easy on satellite. As you all know, getting satellite or getting high definition over the air has actually been pretty easy. If you're in a metro area. Yeah, you just put up the antenna and away you go. You've got high definition. But if you want to get high definition through your satellite, uh, it requires a little bit of extra work. And we have the automatic dish for Internet on the top of our RV, as most of you are know, because you've been listening to the RV Navigator for years. And I won't go into too much detail there, but uh, when... DirecTV changed its satellite configuration. It no longer got high definition. I was stuck at low tech, low It definition. was a tragedy. And we had to put up with that all last winter, my bitching and moaning. And now I was able to buy a 3LNB setup for my dish. For my dish. And... I used to have three LMBs up there, but they were located, the old ones were not located correctly and didn't receive the correct frequency, so they no longer worked. But the new one that I bought is a very quite a small package, and it receives all three of the satellites that are necessary. If you have DISH TV, you have to receive three satellites simultaneously in order to get high definition. So you're going to put I mean, a... That's, that's not technically true, but it's... In reality, it's the way it works. So you're going to put up a link to where you bought this gizmo from? Oh, that's a good idea. Because I would. Well, I doubt that many people would be interested in doing this. But the bottom line is that it's getting easier and easier for you to get high definition with your satellite. For the three of you out there who care. So maybe they'll be much more interested in the Spartan Rally, the meat of the show. I just think high def TV is much more important on a (coughs) big TV. Well, we have a 40 inch, but. In, in, in people's campers, they don't usually have big TVs. A 40-inch? That's plenty big. I could hardly see the difference. You can hardly see. I showed you the difference many times. Yes, and I could hardly see it. Oh, God. <sighs> the yin and the yang. <laughs> well, for those of you who are interested in high definition and really getting the most out of your TV, it this seems is to the be pretty to easy okay, to do. Okay, okay, okay. It seemed to be easy to do. Okay, the Spartan Rally. This is part of FMCA, and we found out that they have a subgroup called the Spartan Boosters or something. I, I never did understand that. Have you ever gotten to a party where you feel like everybody at the party already knows each other for the last 20 years? And while they're real friendly and they talk to you, you have no idea what's going on. That's how I felt at this rally. Because these people seem to rally at the Spartan headquarters annually. Well. And have vendors come, and it's it's like a rally like other RV rallies. Well, not really. Okay, so this was not a manufacturer's rally in the sense that it was uh, Numar or Monaco or, or Winnebago or somebody. This was of uh, those big Class A's that have the Spartan chassis. 
And the Spartan chassis is considered to be the premier chassis for Class A, so it's really high-end coaches that have this uh, have the, the Spartan chassis. And we were in the headquarters of Spartan, and Spartan has gone out of its way to make uh, its customers happy. They have a very nice repair facility, and while you were there, you could have work done on your chassis or your engine. For a checkup. Or for a checkup, and they would give you 10% off and some other deals on parts, cheap deals on parts and things like that, plus the fact that they had a few seminars to teach you what to do with your Spartan chassis. A few seminars. Oh, my gosh. Which were fascinating. Now, I believe... This is quite a shock to me. I've been married to this man for over 40 years, and he's taken excellent care of every vehicle that I've had the pleasure to drive or ride in. So I just assumed when we got our Class A that he would be taking excellent care of it as well. And he has been trying to. And you have been trying to, but what we learned at this rally is that a diesel pusher has very different requirements and needs compared to any other vehicles we've had before and you had a lot to learn and my eyes just glazed over there was so much yeah well so somebody many issues to deal with email asked me they were in the decision making process and they were trying to decide between a diesel pusher and a gas they couldn't make the decision um and it is hard to make a decision um to me the diesel pusher has many, many advantages, um, which we probably talked about earlier. But but it is different. But it but one of its disadvantages is is that it's majorly different from anything you've had to maintain in the past. And of course, maintenance is the key to keep making your RV last a nice long time. Whether it's waxing the outside or or maintaining the engine, it's all critical. And certainly, you want to do everything you can to avoid breaking down on the road. We do. So, you know, I know about tires, and I know about, well, I thought I knew about antifreeze, but I didn't. And we uh, did oil changes. Oil changes and that sort of stuff. But there are many systems, like lanyards, <laughs> that I never even heard of. So you get there, and people are saying, have you pulled your lanyards this month? <laughs> what are you talking about? And what was that thing about the road height? Well, that's important. Well, yeah. well, let's see. Well, let's let's. Oh, we, we don't want to leave people in the dark here. They have little uh, pull valves on the air tanks. Air, air, the air system on the diesel pusher plays a much bigger role than it does on a. Well, there isn't any air system on a car, so that's all new. But because we have air brakes and air suspension, uh, there's a lot of air components. And they have check valves, uh, you know, like in the car, so that if one tank goes bad or loses air, the other one is can be used in emergencies. And that's a whole new system to learn. And one of the problems with air systems is, is that they collect water. Condensation. Condensation because in very humid air. But they have systems for, <laughs> well, another filter that you're supposed to replace for 50 or $60 is the air dehumidifier filter. Or you pull your lanyard. Well, no, you have to do both. water out. And so they have these these pull strings that are down underneath the chassis, and you have to pull them every once in a while to let the air out of your tanks. That Who collects. knew? Who knew? So our coach, 2004, 2010, six years, never had its lanyards pulled <laughs> because nobody knew about it. And then there's the water in the fuel line filter that you should be emptying out every once in a while there were there was one two and a half hour session where the guy just kind of went through all of the systems that you should be doing and you just go whoa 
I've not really done all that. So here not because we, I didn't want to. So here we drove this vehicle up to this rally, thinking that it was more or less an A-OK condition. <laughs> and we left there. No, no. We ready didn't. to go on food stamps. <laughs> so we had to buy so many filters and checkups. Well, there were at the rally... Uh, which was held at a fairgrounds, um, there were probably 55 coaches. Yeah, and they said it was small this year yeah. compared to what they used to be. It used to be that Spartan paid a lot of the expenses so that the rally was quite inexpensive. They're struggling to stay was, in business yeah, themselves. This was not paid for by Spartan by any means. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we subsidized, subsidized them dramatically. But, you know, they included, as rallies do, the seminars and the food. And, and certainly they were good the about sending well-informed speakers to talk yes, to yes. us about all the issues that we should have been dealing with all these years. <laughs> Well, like another one we did was uh, four corner weighing, and that's something I hadn't I'd known about, but just hadn't had the opportunity to do. I really thought about it more when we had a trailer. Well, yes, but yes, you should do it then too. But I've always questioned how much air I should have in the tires, and the only way you know is by weighing each of the tire locations and setting the tire pressure based on. The weight, the, of weight, that corner. the weight of that corner. So having your, your coach weight at all four corners is important. Another one is ride height and how that much air it. the the airbags have in them. <laughs> and then we you talk to people about problems that they've had, and oh, my God, you just go crazy. You just would not ever ever drive a diesel pusher if you listen to the folks that... And then there was the guy who brought pictures of when yeah, he yeah, was yeah. in we Arizona and there was, there was a gust of wind and he That's and the rig flew in the air and flew through the desert with his tow car and just missed this giant culvert and he ended up back on the road and his rig was practically perfect, so... Well, yeah, if you consider $5,000 practically perfect. Anyway, there are... You want to keep your, your coach in pretty good shape. We had no real problems fixed we had fluids replaced and filters replaced and of course it takes uh seven gallons of of oil just to just to start off with i paid a hundred dollars just for the raw oil and the oil has not one but two filters and then we put in hydraulic this is another thing hydraulic pump what does that do well in our case it runs the the cooling fan which is cooling the engine yes so, so, <laughs> and then <laughs> you should clean your radiator too. <laughs> oh yeah, and they're talking about how I should be sitting in a lawn chair <laughs> in the dark, while Ken's inside our engine with a flashlight, shining it through our radiator, so I can tell him if I can see the light or not. And the, the if place, you can't see the light, then the that means it's too dirty. Behind the the radiator would have fit an anorexic child, maybe. <laughs> Oh, my. Well, there's some things you should do and some things you just can't do. <laughs> but <laughs> So the serious question is, if the currently well-informed Ken was talking to the previously ignorant Ken, what do you wish you would have known? What do you wish people would have told you? And how can people find this out? Well, I think going to the rally of your particular brand of chassis is probably a good idea. Freightliner has one. And so does uh, Spartan, obviously. But this is not an issue for gas people. I don't know. Uh-huh. Not nearly as much. Gases are it's much more, more like typical car. of cars. Car-like. So you have the same sort of problems that you have on a car. And for those of us who have been maintaining these vehicles for a long time, we have kind of a basic understanding. Of course, 
a big diesel like this has no ignition system, which is, of course, very strange, but that's the way it is. Um, but it has other systems that, <laughs> that add an equal amount of complexity, but we've never had to think about them before. And, of course, the other thing they talked about there, which I was vaguely aware of due to my well-read husband, is all the new requirements for diesels that well, are being manufactured from now on um, as yes. regards pollution devices. And when they finished talking about all the and we saw them, the giant tanks you have to carry and how you have to replace the well, urea liquid in them every so often. It really made me wonder what the future is going to be of um, diesel RVs because it adds so much expense to the cost of the rigs. Well, I'm all for clean air, but it seems like an extra $40,000 cost for these new anti-polluting engines yeah. and all their requirements is going to hurt an industry that's already hurting. Yeah. Uh, let's just kind of review just briefly. Um, in 2000, I believe every engine manufactured after January 1st of 2008. Every diesel engine. Every, every diesel. Well, yeah. Every diesel had to have a particulate filter in, in the exhaust. And that added a, a fair amount of expense. And then every engine manufactured after two th after Jan January 1st of 2010 has to have another pollution gizmo on it, which is much more complex. That makes the emissions coming out of the diesel almost clean air. Um, and it makes has, and it has almost it has almost no pipe. diesel smell to it anymore. And, but that, and that's the, a good thing. Yes, but the trade-off to that is that these two devices have added dramatically to the expense and complexity, especially the second one uh, of the diesel engine. You remember the first one requires that you use ultra-low sulfur fuel, which is not a problem in the United States anymore. Um, and that's 15 that's parts per pretty million much of all sulfur. You can buy. That's pretty much all you could buy. So that's that's not too much of a deal. The, the first one, um, although it, it's uh, sizable in taking up a space in the engine compartment, it uh, requires almost no maintenance. Um, it just does its thing, and every once in a while a light flashes on in your dashboard, and it burns off the carbon or something, and... And that's it. So you don't really have to do anything to it. But the new one here in 2010, which we actually saw on the chassis that were being manufactured, were a much more uh, user because not only is it a fairly large uh, muffler-like device, so now you have a muffler and then these two tanks. Uh, these two after mufflers, and the second one uses um, a fluid. It's called urea fluid, and you have to have a tank for that fluid, and that fluid is injected into the exhaust to reduce the emissions. And, and it takes so, up like one and a half storage compartments worth of room right. on our rig. Whereas our rig has. We have batteries in the back, and then we have another storage compartment. The new ones don't have any room for the storage, either the batteries or the storage. They have to be put someplace else. And were people going to buy this urea? Well, that's well, you know, as more and more coaches are more and more, and th this is not just, by new, the way, not just Class A uh, diesel RVs. New it trucks. is every diesel, diesel engine. engine from your pickup truck down to the sprinters and everything over the road everything is going to have they're to even talking about making more cars that run on diesel because of yeah well so let me finish this there's this tank a 10 gallon tank that holds this urea stuff it's, it's there and you have to fill it if you don't fill it the engine doesn't run 
If it runs out, the engine stops. Not only that, but it has to be heated because it freezes. And it has to have injectors, which, of course, could get clogged. And, you know, just it's a fairly complex operation. It has to have hoses. that, And, of course, those hoses have to be heated because what happens if they... Anyway. So <laughs> the moral of the story, as far as I was well, concerned, is don't buy a, a rig with an engine newer than 09. Right. Um, and they told us that these not only take up lots of space, but they also together cost an extra 40000 thousand dollars on the engine staggering staggering extra cost in a time when you know people are just not going to pay that so i expect that the demand for used rvs is going to grow dramatically to the 2010 models let's see actually probably the 2011 models are really uh, the first ones that are going to have this so they're going to be the demand is going to be low i would i would think as soon as people find out about this because uh, Spartan, as an example, was just putting the first ones of these, and here it is, uh, June already, just putting the first of the of these new 2010 engines in because they had bought pre-2010 engines uh, supply of them. And we're using them and up. And we're using them up. And so it's only now that they were actually using them up and putting in these new ones. This was something brand new that you probably wouldn't see um, at other factories until until later on in the year. And it's been my impression that with the bad economy that um, RV manufacturers have been doing a lot of simplification and corner cutting to make rigs more affordable and then to have this engine requirement yes. uh, going against what they're trying to do. Ouch. And I've been reading the reviews lately of some of the bigger Class A's, and one of the things that I noticed that's happening is is that they're putting smaller engines in. Um, Cummins, which is the primary manufacturer of these RV recreational Class A engines, has uh, several... Sizes, as you would, as you'd imagine, ours has a, what's called an SLC, which is an eight point nine liter uh, capacity, and in many of the new ones, I was looking at Fleetwood and some of the other ones, and I don't mean to be bashing them by any means, but what they're doing is, is they're they're putting in the six point seven liter engine, uh, which is three hundred fifty horsepower, but half the amount of torque. So no more driving in the Rockies. Which means which means that these new coaches that are way the same as ours just don't have. The, the oomph to be uh, to be competitive, um, and I think that's going to hurt in the long run. But I noticed at least two 2011 coaches that I've read reviews of recently have had the smaller engine in it, and the only reason I can think of why they would do that is because the expense of the engine is less, mm-hmm. and so if the the engine is less, the emissions are less, so that they can they can keep the price down to <laughs> something they can sell. Whew. So that's a big change in the RV industry, and I think something we'll have to keep our eyes on. And something that really um, amazed us while we were at the Spartan Rally is they gave us a factory tour. Yes. And in a better year, uh, I would imagine that we would have seen them doing a lot of RV chassis, but as we've been saying, the business is down in that regard. And there were some being put together, but rather few. But what we did see a lot of was yes. the um, manufacture of fire engines and we were shocked specialty. shocked to discover that there are no uniform standards codes, um, patterns for RV, uh, for fire trucks. Everyone is totally designed and selected by the fire department, the community for which it's being purchased. So to illustrate this point, they told us there were over 330 shades of, of fire red engine fire red. engine red paint. 
And when you, when you think of all the paint choices, you can just multiply that by the upholstery, where the chairs are, the handles, uh, how big the windshield is, where the door opens, where the running and board so is. So the bottom line is there was no real assembly line for making fire engines. It, it was like they hadn't heard of Henry Ford and the assembly line right. yet. Right. Well, they couldn't because the everyone was, ev- different. everyone was different. There was no way to mass assemble them because the requirements were so different. And they were only manufacturing the cabs and the and the empty chassis. So they 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 put together the cab and then somebody else made the the rest of the body and and bolted it onto the chassis. Kind of like the motorhomes, but uh, they were they complete cabs that were uh, finished when they left Spartan. Uh, unlike the RVs and the RVs they make just the <laughs> the the rails and the frame and the steering and the and the steering wheel is sometimes there and sometimes not and the engine on the back and they ship that to the RV manufacturers and they put all of the the body parts on whereas the fire engines they actually put the cab complete cab air conditioning lights paint is all done. And at the moment, they were going great guns Ooh. because of all the economic bailout funds that communities have received. They all decided, why not order ourselves a new fire engine? And and it was a blessing for that community because it was keeping a lot of people employed and busy, but it struck us as just a huge waste of money to be doing it in such a... Um, on assembly line manner with a total lack of uniformity. seems like it would be hard to repair those things, too, when they break down because each one is unique. Well, and they were so complex. With we were amazed. Stuff. We were amazed. Well, there are lots of stories we could tell you, but the, the factory tour was very interesting, and as always, we enjoy that kind of uh, inside information. And I was impressed by the company and their desire to mm-hmm. keep their customers happy. Um, I was impressed by that. And? They only took $1,600 of our money (laughs) and a day of our time in order to get it fixed. And that was at a big discount for the Spartan Rally. (laughs) (laughs) Will we go again? Uh, I don't know. It depends on how much money we have next year. But the good thing is is that uh, coming up here in July, we will be heading down to the rally. Now, I put that's the name of the Event. event. It is the rally, and it's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky this year. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm saying that because the last time we tried to go to this event in Louisville, they had some bodacious rains, and the fields where we were supposed to be parked were totally flooded with water, and and they were very ill-prepared for this event. And we stood in line for about four hours, and I'm not exaggerating, before we were turned around and told to go home because there was nowhere for us to park. It wasn't safe. So we didn't get to go to it there. So hopefully the weather will permit us to actually attend the rally this year. Indeed, and we hope to see some of you there. So if you're planning on attending the rally, let us know, and we'll make plans to uh, rendezvous rendezvous at the rally in the generator parking lot, which is where we should be. And hopefully it won't be too hot so that the generators won't have to run too much because then I will have to have them Oh, I didn't have that overhauled also. (laughs) More things to take care of. So probably we'll go to the Cummins factory next and and drop a few bucks there, huh? Sounds like fun. RVing is cheap and fun. Uh-huh. Okay. That takes up uh, an, another episode of the RV Navigator, and we're glad that you're listening, and uh, we hope that you'll continue to listen, and we hope to see you in a campground near us. This is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, waiting to hit the road.